always when I come across these verses, I always come to the thought, how well do I live according to these verses? See, verse 4 begins with the words, Rejoice in the Lord always. And I think to myself, do I always rejoice Rejoice in the Lord? Well, this morning I will confess, I did forget a little bit in the rush and bustle of getting everything ready. But do I always rejoice? Verse 5 begins with, Let your gentleness be known to all men. And I have to ask myself, am I always gentle? Verse 6 starts off by saying, be anxious for nothing. But not only are we to be anxious for nothing, it says, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. And oh, how often I myself fall short in light of these verses. And then there's verse 8 which says, finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there's any virtue in these, if there's anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. And not only are we to meditate on these things, Paul also goes on to say in verse 9, the things which you learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do, And the God of peace will be with you. Listen, when you read these six verses of Scripture, how busy are we, how busy are our minds to be in thinking about the things of the Lord? When you look at these verses, how much of our mind are we to give to rejoicing in the Lord, to be gentle, to to not be anxious for anything? And meditate on the list that he gives us in paying attention to the things we have learned and received and heard and implement them in our own lives. How much of our mind does God want of us in serving him? Well, according to Jesus' own words from Matthew 22, verse 37, he says, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. He wants us to use our entire being when it comes to serving him and not have it be caught up with the many things of this world. Because it is the many things of this world that lead and tempt our minds off the things to other things than the things of God. And now I'm not saying that we're not supposed to have hobbies or enjoyments of this world, but we have to be ever cautious of how high we elevate those things of the world in comparison to God. How high do we place rejoicing in the Lord instead of looking at the sorrows of life? How far is our gentleness known in the world or are those who see us differently? How far up our spiritual ladder do we allow anxiety to climb up? How much time do we give in meditating and thinking on the word of God in our daily lives? And the reason I ask these things is because much of this message, in much of, much of this message, I will be dealing with that very aspect of your mind here this morning. Because when we come to our text, to the second last word of Paul's, of Paul's list of works of the flesh here in Galatians chapter 5, verse 21, we come to the one he calls drunkenness. And there is a thought that I want to draw out of this word that you may not have thought about when you read 
through this passage. And for starters, the word we are looking at today is Strong's number 3178. And it is the Greek word methe. And the online Bible Greek lexicon plainly says it is intoxication or drunkenness. Vine says it is Vine says it denotes drunkenness or habitual intoxication. The theological dictionary of the New Testament under point number two says this word has the literal sense to drink or to be or get drunk. And each of the three times this word is used in scripture, it speaks of literal intoxication. This literal drunkenness by intoxication is what is implied here in Galatians and then also in Luke 21.34, and then also in Romans 13, verse 13. In Luke chapter 21, we have the words of Jesus as he is speaking about this tribulation and the signs of the end times, the parable of the fig tree, of the budding fig tree. And then he reminds his listeners with the verse of Luke 21.34, he says, But take heed to yourselves, lest your hearts be weighed down with carousing, drunkenness, and cares of this life, and that, and that day come upon you unexpectedly. Here Jesus is warning the disciples and the future readers that we are to take heed to ourselves, which means to turn the mind to, or be attentive to oneself, to really look at our life and the things happening around us, so that our hearts are not weighed down, or overloaded with the things of this world, or even the cares of this life. And two of those weights, he notes, is carousing and drunkenness. But you see, is this not the exact description of what, usually, of what the world usually does in trying to get away from their problems in life and sorrows? When people seek to escape from their problems of this world and the cares of their life, how do they do it? How do they often do it in our world? By drinking and carousing, don't they? Does this ever fix their problems? No. No, it doesn't. It never fixes the problem, but only adds more weight to the person. As the verse says, let your hearts not be weighed down with carousing and drunkenness and cares of this world. You see, intoxication never fixes anything. And we are commanded by Jesus to take examination of ourselves in not being consumed by the sins of carousing and drunkenness. Because they do not lift up, but rather weigh us down and take us, weigh us down in this life even further and take us deeper and deeper into sin. The other place this word is used is in Romans chapter 13 verse 13, which says, let us walk properly as in the day, not in revelry and drunkenness not in lewdness and lust, not in strife and envy. Paul here is talking about the proper conduct of the Christian walk and includes the abstaining of drunkenness along with other sins such as revelry, which is the topic of the next message. And then also such things as lewdness and strife and envy, all of which we have covered in the past. And we already know that as a child of God we are not to be caught up with the sins of this world. It's what the whole series has been about. We are not to be caught up with the works of the flesh, 
but that our life and conduct, as the verse says, is to be proper. We are to walk properly as in the day. Just as Paul writes in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 4 through 9, where he writes of the coming of the end as well and says, But you, brethren, but you, brethren, are not in darkness, so that day should overtake you as a thief. You are sons of the light and sons of the day. We are not of the night, nor of darkness. Therefore let us not sleep as others do, but let us watch and be sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk are drunk at night. But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and as the helmet the hope of salvation. For God did not appoint us to wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. You see, it's through verses like these that drunkenness is to be an unacceptable practice for any professing Christian. It is an obvious outward work of the flesh in which not only will one, such a one not be ready according to Jesus' words, but as Paul says in the final part of Galatians chapter 5, verse 21, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. And now again, I do not think that any of us here in this congregation is being led away with this outward physical sin of drunkenness. And I don't think or know of any of us that struggle with this sin as a secret sin either. Because I believe that drunkenness is foolishness. And I don't say that lightly. But that it is foolishness for any child of God to participate in either little or much of this sin that leads to drunkenness. You see, we are commanded many times in scriptures to be sober. Peter tells us in 1 Peter 5 verse 8 saying, Therefore gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and rest your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. We are called to be awake. As Paul says in Romans chapter 13 verse 11 saying, And do this, knowing the time, that now it is high time to awake out of sleep. For now our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. And we are to be watching and to be waiting for the return of Jesus Christ, just as he tells us in Matthew 25, 13. Watch, therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour in which the Son of Man is coming. And when Scripture commands us to be sober and awake and be watching and waiting, there is absolutely no room for drunkenness of any kind for the Christian, including the one I'm about to share with you here this morning. Because there is an aspect of this sin that can be applied to all of us, to me, to you, and everyone who claims to be a Christian. There is a drunkenness that can affect us even if we've never had a drop of alcohol in our lives. It is a drunkenness that can affect our way of thinking just as much as if we were to be intoxicated with alcohol. And for that, I want you to turn your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 5. <clears throat> I 
In chapters 4, 5, and 6, Paul deals with many things in regard to the life of the Christian. How we are to walk, how we are to talk, and what the Christian life is to look like. And in verse 1 of chapter 5, he begins with the words, Therefore be imitators of God as dear children. And right away he gives us the means or the beginning of what that walk is to look like. And not only are we to be imitators of God as dear children, but in verse 2 he says, And walk in love as Christ also loved us and and given himself for us. And then he proceeds to give us all kinds of things of what the Christian life is to look like. He talks of all kinds of unchristian-like characteristics from verse 3 through 7. Some of them we have covered previously in other messages. And then in verses 8 through 14, Paul gives us the contrast of walking in darkness as opposed to walking in the light. In that we are to expose the things of darkness and walk in the light, as he says in verse 13. But all things that are exposed are made manifest by the light. For whatever makes manifest is light. You see, this is a very good rule of thumb for the Christian. Live in the light. We are to expose the things of darkness in our lives so that to that of... Sorry. We are to expose those things of darkness in our lives to that of the light. For whatever makes manifest, that means whatever exposes sin in our lives, whatever brings the dark things to the surface is light. And if we walk in the light, we say that we are part of the light and we have to profess to be of that light. Then Paul says in verses 15 through 17 how we are to walk when we walk in the light and how we are to think if we are truly partakers of that light by saying, verse 15, See that you walk circumspectly, not as fools but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Therefore do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. In short, he says we are to walk circumspectly. Does anyone know what circumspectly means? Carefully, Carefully, okay. It means accurately, diligently, carefully, in the most strictest and precise interpretation of the word. He says we are to walk circumspectly, redeeming the time, and to be wise in understanding what the will of the Lord is. And then in verse 18 he says, And do not be drunk with wine in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. And one thing that should stand out to you right away from the verse is that the first half of this verse somehow looks out of place in the context of the surrounding verses or in the flow of the chapter. And if I go with the notes I had scribbled into the side margin of my Bible from when Pastor Phil preached through the book of Ephesians, I note, as he noted, this is probably not drunkenness as in intoxication. For if it was, it would or should have been, in, been listed in, at, should have been listed in the individual sins of Paul's list in verses 3 through 7. And if not there, then expanded on how to avoid it in verses 8 through 13. And I just want to quote a few paragraphs from his message he did on Ephesians 5, verse 18, in showing us that this drunkenness 
is probably not intoxication. And just as a side note, if you want to listen to that entire message, it is message number 86 in his series on Ephesians. And it is available on Sermon Audio in the Maranatha Ministries account. But quoting part of that message, he says this, and I quote, I want to recommend that he does not, he is not speaking about drunkenness from drinking alcohol. He would have dealt with that much more severely in the earlier verses. I think he is comparing the senselessness and the unthinking manner of the Ephesians and their, failing for, and their falling for empty words with physical drunkenness. I think he is likening their spiritual senselessness to what happens to those who drink too much wine. Lang's commentary says the general notion is not senseless, senseless but understanding. Senselessness is being contrasted to understanding. So I am recommending that Paul, by mononymy, likens being drunk with wine, in which is excess, to the fact that they were non-thinking. The empty words they were swallowing is making them spiritually non-thinking, as alcohol li does literally. And he likens understanding the will of the Lord as being filled with the Spirit. <clears throat> and still quoting, and that the instruction to stop being drunk with wine corresponds to stop being unwise or non-thinking of the previous verse. To be non-thinking as Christians has the same effect as alcohol has on people. It renders their thinking process not only useless, but debauched, spiritually speaking. End of quote. It is the word picture of portraying the Ephesian Christians as being non-thinking drunkards as if they were intoxicated with wine. Because if you look at the context from, verses, from verse 15 onward, it says, See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools. Redeem the time, because the days are evil. Do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And then he says, Do not be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. You see, the first part of verse 18 doesn't fit the context of this section of the latter if taken literally. If it is literal, then you would think it should have been in verses 1 through 7, along with the other individual sinful things that they were doing. Or at least noted in verses 8 through 14 and in exposing such a practice. But you see, if it is taken or implied as a figure of speech, meaning that they were not to be non-thinking Christians, now we have something that fits the context. You see, even Jesus used this kind of figure of speech many times in the Gospels. For example, in Matthew chapter 16, starting in verse 6, Jesus said to them, that is the disciples, Take heed and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And what did the disciples think? Well, verse 7 says, And they reason among themselves, saying, It is because we have taken no bread. Well, after the rebuke and correction, he says to them, <clears throat> How is it you do not understand that I did not speak to you concerning bread? But beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Then they understood that he did not tell them to beware of the leaven of bread, but of the doctrine of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Paul could be doing the same thing here. 
He goes from commanding them to walk circumspectly, not as fools, redeeming the time, for the time is evil. Do not be unwise, but be wise in understanding what the will of the Lord is. And do not be drunk with wine, implying, do not be non-thinkers, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. Because look at what the rest of the chapter goes on like. In verse 19, he speaks, he says, Speak to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. Verse 20, giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Submitting to one another in the fear of God. And then, and then beginning with the instructions for the individuals in the next section, he begins by saying in verse 22, Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. And that theme of Christian instruction then continues to the end of verse 20 of the next chapter. They are instructed and commanded with all kinds of things from here on. And right, actually right to the end of the letter. And it begins by walking circumspectly. Redeeming the time. Being wise in understanding what the will of the Lord is. And, do, and to do all that you have. And to do all that you have to be thinkers. You have to think. And not only thinkers, but you have to be filled with the Holy Spirit. The command in not being non-thinkers fits the context and flow of the passage. Paul says, don't allow your minds to be empty and inactive, undiscerning and idle, like some drunkard. But see that you do these things, and he gives a whole list of things that they are to be doing from the middle of the chapter to the end of the letter. And begins the next phrase by telling them to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now there's another word in this verse that I want to quickly look at before we go further. In Ephesians 5.18. And it is the word dissipation. The first half of the verse reads, And do not be drunk with wine in which is dissipation. And I need to cover this word before we continue on with the thought of the message. We already looked at what could be a figure of speech with the first part of the verse. But this dissipation is a really interesting word, or so I found. The English definition from the Encartica Dictionary says that it is the overindulgence in pursuit of physical pleasures or the wastefulness used in the squandering of resources such as money or fuel. But that is only the definition of the English word used in the New King James Version. Other Bible versions use words like excess, which means an amount beyond which is considered proper. Words like debauchery, which is unrestrained, self-indulgent, immoral behavior, a riot, or reckless actions. And another word used in some translation is dissoluteness, which means overindulging in physical pleasure. These definitions all come from the English Encartica Dictionary. Now I think all these translations would be correct if you view the do not be drunk with wine as being the literal do not be drunk with wine statement. But if the do not be drunk with wine can be a figure of speech, then the in which is dissipation could also mean something else. Now I'm not going to be reinterpreting the Bible here for my own means, 
But if we look at the word used here, it is the word asatia. Strong's number 81. And it is interesting what the makeup of this word is. Quoting the Strong's dictionary, it says it is from a compound, meaning two separate words, of number one, alpha A, as a negative particle, and a presumed derivative of 4982. If you remember when the Greek word, and some case English words, when you add the A to a word, it means the opposite. You've heard of this before. As in the English word moral to amoral. As, we're, as with the word muse to amuse. This is what is done here with this word. From a compound of Strong's number one, which is the A, and a presumed derivative of 4982. This 4982 is the Greek word sozo. And in its first definition in the online Bible Greek lexicon, it says it is to save, to keep safe and sound. The very first place that, where this word is used is in Matthew chapter 1, verse 21. Starting in verse 20, it speaks about Joseph taking Mary, his betrothed wife, and says this. But while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take to you Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. And she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will... <clears throat> save Sozo, his people from their sins. <clears throat> As used in this verse and in many other places, this word is often used in reference to this saving of salvation. But if this word comes with the negative particle A, you get the word asatia. Listen, asatia literally means as the concluding definition of the Strong's Dictionary, it says it is properly unsavedness. Unsavedness. Remember, sozo, in the first definition in the online Bible Greek lexicon, is to save. When you add this negative particle, it makes a word, it makes a word like non-saved, or unsaved, or unsavedness. And it can mean something that is not saved, as in wasting. <clears throat> Or if I can stretch it so far to say that it is someone that is not saved in salvation. I would say something like an unbeliever lives in a state of unsavedness. <clears throat> Listen, if Paul tells us or implies to us that we are not to be non-thinkers because this is wasteful, wastefulness of mind, perhaps, but a more concerning thought is is this a wastefulness of their salvation? The interlinear scripture analyzer writes out the words of the verse like this, and it's a little choppy, but the words, literal word translation would go something like this. And not ye being drunk to wine, in which is being unsaving. I'll just read it again. A little quicker. And not ye being drunk to wine, in which is being unsaving. And since the context of Ephesians chapter 5, 15 onward, talks about how we are to walk and talk and act like saved Christians, 
then verse 18 could say something like this. And these are my own words. And do not be drunk with wine. Do not be a non-thinking Christian. The same way a drunkard is non-thinking. For in such non-thinkingness is unsavedness. And do not be non-thinkers because there is no salvation in non-thinking. And if you think that is a little too far-fetched, what is the contrast that Paul gives us in the latter half of the verse? Well, he says, but be filled with the Spirit. And the only way I can be filled with the Spirit is, listen, through salvation. It's only through salvation in Jesus Christ that I can be filled with the Holy Spirit. Listen, if I could give you what the verse would sound like with this kind of thinking and applying this word picture, it would sound something like this, starting in verse 15. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Therefore do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not be non-thinking, in which there is no salvation, but be thinkers being filled with the Holy Spirit. Because listen, only when we are saved by the blood of Jesus Christ, through repentance and faith, can we be filled with the Holy Spirit. It doesn't come any other way, does it? It doesn't. If we remain non-thinking Christians, we can very well be wasting our salvation by allowing sin into our heart. Sin, sins which Paul talks about here in Ephesians chapter 5, and also the sins we've been covering in Galatians chapter 5. And this is the message I want to bring across with this sin of drunkenness for the Christian. Not necessarily the literal drinking unto drunkenness, which is a very obvious sin for those who name the name of Christ, but to caution us with the drunkenness of non-thinking, not checking things out, not testing the spirits, not thinking about what is pleasing or displeasing to the Lord as spelled out in Scripture. Because when we do look at Scripture, there is no other way to salvation. There is no other way to be filled with the Holy Spirit except by salvation in Jesus Christ. It is the one and only way to be filled with the Holy Spirit. If anyone else tells you otherwise, well, they are simply not thinking. They are the ones who are non-thinkers. Because it is only by our salvation in Jesus Christ that we can follow him. It is the only way we can follow the entirety of Paul's letter. It is the only way we can follow the rest of scripture and obey it. It is only by, by our salvation in the Lord Jesus Christ that we can be imitators of God. And as we open with the scripture reading from Philippians 4.4, it is the only way, it is only by our salvation that we can rejoice in the Lord. You see, if you're not saved, you cannot rejoice in the Lord, can you? If you do not have the Lord Jesus Christ in your heart and the Holy Spirit in yourself, you cannot rejoice in the Lord. Tell me, when is the last time you saw an unbeliever rejoice in the Lord for all the things that they are going through, for all the hard things of life? For the trials that may be, they may be going through. You don't, do you? You don't see them like this. Why? 
because they are not children of God. They see us doing this. Why? Because we are the children of God. We are the children of God through the blood of Jesus Christ in salvation. It is by our salvation that our gentleness is known to all men. And if we are followers of Christ, that gentleness will remain with us even unto the cross. Even unto the cross as Jesus did. It is only by our salvation that we can be anxious for nothing and trust in his word. It is only by, this, by being saved in the Lord Jesus Christ that we can put on the whole armor of God, as he says later on in the, in the letter. Listen, if you have no salvation in Christ, you have no armor. You have no armor. You have nothing. You have nothing but your own worldly wits to keep you afloat in this world and protect you from the devil. And let me tell you, you will fail. You will fail. It is only by salvation in Jesus Christ that we have armor. That we have the word of God. And I think, and this is on my own study, this is where the idea of spiritual drunkenness can be applied to all Christians. That if we are in a state of being non-thinking, a non-discerning Christian about what the world, word of God really says about sins... <clears throat> That if we are in the state of being non-thinking, non-discerning Christians about what the Word of God really says about sins, that such non-thinkers will lead to a wastefulness of mind. And not only a wastefulness of mind, but such non-thinking will lead to a wastefulness of salvation and put them on the track of being unsaved. Unsavedness. That is, that it is such non-thinking drunkenness in where Christians forfeit their salvation by allowing the sins of Paul's letters, Paul's list, to enter their hearts. You see, that's what this whole series has been about. Checking your hearts. Check what's inside. Think about what's inside. Think about the things that we are to be watching for, to be aware of that we ponder and test and search the scriptures for the truth of what God is telling us of what's supposed to be in here. Because as I see it, it is a drunkenness that we are seeing all over North America these days. This non-thinking, this non-thinking drunkenness is swallowing our nation. People are swallowing empty words from false preachers who stand in the pulpits and make them spiritually non-thinkers, just as alcohol does to the physical mind. You see, we've come to an age where even thinking and, pray and paying attention has become too much of a task for most Christians. Well, actually, for most people, that is. Just listen to some of these averages of some of our social media platforms. <clears throat> And this was very interesting. A Snapchat video that is 1 to 10 seconds long is one snap. Two snaps or more makes a story. A story? Okay. 
Instagram videos with the most comments typically average around 26 seconds long. If you want to maintain your viewers' attention and engage with your audience, it is a good idea to keep your Instagram videos under 30 seconds. I find it interesting how they use the words like engage and maintain attention by having something that only lasts less than 30 seconds. Okay. The average YouTube short video is between 20 and 40 seconds. The average TikTok video is between 10 and 15 seconds. And it doesn't take much of a rocket scientist to figure out what these 10 to 15 second clips is doing, are doing to our nation and especially to our young people. I mean, if people only give 30 seconds of their attention to something before they get bored and move on, how will they ever find the truth found in the Bible? Think of it. And this is ruling our world. And it's not, it's not technology to blame. Technology can be a wonderful thing. It can be a fascinating tool in our day. I think of my Kindle reader. It's, it's smaller and thinner than my Bible. Right now I have about 50 different books on that device. And I can bookmark any page, highlight any section, and most of all I can go back and search anything I want in any one of those books. It's amazing what we have these days. And not only that, oh, I had it in my pocket here, forgot to pull it out. We have these. Well, you can't even see it from there, can you? We have these. It's a memory stick. They make them pretty small. But this little device can hold my 300 book library. 300 books. Technology is amazing. And not only that, the amount of information <clears throat> we can find and research on the internet is already mind-boggling. And with all this technology and availability of books and words and wisdom, we should all be such theologians. We should all be smart beyond compare to our predecessors. But with all this information that is available, what are the majority of people being preoccupied with? What are they thinking on? 10 to 15 second clips of amusement. That's what's capturing our world. Because if it's much longer than that, they lose interest. 10 to 15 seconds. You can't even read the first five, five verses of Genesis chapter 1 in 15 seconds. You can get through Psalms 117 in about 10 seconds, but that's only two verses long. But if you were to read the Bible only 10 seconds a day, well, listen, it would take you 75 years to get through the whole book. That's quite a long time. And yet we find people endlessly entertained with 10 to 15 second clips after clip, after clip, after clip, until it consumes their entire day. People are entertaining themselves with Empty videos, empty entertainment that is making them non-thinkers, non-thinking just as physical alcohol does to the physical mind. And the sad thing is we're seeing this not only in the worldly people, but in Christianity as well. It is creating spiritually non-thinking Christians. You see, are the majority of Christians walking circumspectly? 
when you look at the majority, diligently, carefully, or in the most strictest and precise and rigorous interpretation of God's word? Are we seeing that in our day? Are we seeing Christians redeeming the time? Are they looking at the signs of the times? Are the vast majority of Christians understanding what the will of the Lord is in regard to adultery or fornication or uncleanness or lewdness? Well, we just have to look at some of our modern churches today, don't we? And we see that they don't see it. Are they taking a hard look at such things as adultery and sorcery, hatred, contentions and jealousies and outbursts of wrath? Well, we see that lacking too, don't we? Are they seeking the connections between selfish ambitions, dissensions and heresies, and between envy and murders? No, they're not. Because many of our Christians these days would rather have a pastor tell them that living with the sin that they are in is okay. Instead of taking the time to read and check it out for themselves. Because that may take too long. They look and listen for sermons that flatter and music that entertains rather than checking things out. They would rather remain in this drunkenness state of not wanting to think or study because, well, it just may take longer than 30 seconds. We're talking about eternity here. And I'm amazed at how sidetracked people can get in 15 seconds from something that will last the rest of their eternal life. Yes, it is your pastor's job to study and learn and preach the scripture to the congregation, but it's also the responsibility of the congregation to study and learn alongside their pastor in reading their own Bibles. Reading and studying their own Bibles. As Pastor Phil has often said, check it out for yourselves. Don't just take my word for it. Check it out. Check out what the word of God says on any given subject. Even the one I'm giving you here today. Check it out. Study it. You see, we ought to be discerning Christians, sober Christians, thinking Christians if we want to understand God's word. And most of all, understand what it means to walk in the light and not in darkness. And walking as imitators of God and not in the ways of the world. Check it out. Read it, study it, learn it for yourselves. Don't be non-thinking Christians. Don't be drunk with drunkenness of non-thinking. With that thought, I want to quote Menno Simons, who speaks on this subject, and he says this. He says, Therefore I admonish all our beloved brethren and sisters in the Lord, so precious as is Christ Jesus to you, Never let it go out of your mind, but always remember for what purpose you were called, taught, and baptized. Remember the covenant of the Most High God, that into which you voluntarily entered, into which you have voluntarily desired and accepted, being taught by the Word of God and then operated upon by the Holy Spirit. And remember that according to the doctrine of Paul, you have voluntarily buried in baptism all your sins of uncleanness, pride, hatred, envy, idolatry, gluttony, drunkenness, 
sensuality, falsehood, deceit, and that you are risen with Jesus Christ into newness of life. A new life that is nothing else but righteousness, blameless love, mercifulness, mercifulness, humility, long-suffering peace, truth. Yea, the whole gentle life which is taught by the gospel and was founded in Jesus Christ. See, he was no Calvinist, this guy. There's not an inkling of Calvinism you will find in Man of Simons. Because he says this, But if you refuse this and remain unchanged in your natural state, lead an unrepentant, easy life, laying aside the word and the ordinance of the Lord, act the hypocrite with the world and refuse the cross, then, listen, then you cannot be a member of the church of Christ. End of quote. And so as we conclude, let us recognize that we are called to be thinkers. We are called to be thinkers. We are called to discern. We are called to rightly divide the word of truth in all matters. We are called to be sober. We are called to be watchful. And we are called to be wise in understanding what the will of the Lord is for our lives. If we profess to be Christians then let us act like Christians, study like Christians, teach like Christians, think like Christians, and reject the non-thinking ways of what Menno Simon says is the unrepentant and easy life in laying aside the word of God. Yes, Paul is talking about a literal physical drunkenness in Galatians chapter 5, and yes, physical drunkenness is absolutely a sinful work of the flesh that will bar one from the kingdom of heaven if practiced by the Christian. But you see, there is a much greater danger to the Christian than just physical drunkenness. And that is spiritual drunkenness. A non-thinking Christian, swallowing empty words, making them spiritually non-thinkers, being led to hell in the process. And to close, I want to read verses 33 to 40 of Psalm 119. If you remember, I did a message a while ago about Psalm 119 and how the beginning of each stanza begins with a reference to God's word or God's law and his testimonies. Psalm 119 verses 33 to 40 read this. Teach me, O Lord, the way of your statutes, and I shall keep it to the end. Give me understanding, and I shall keep your law. Indeed, I shall observe it with my whole heart. Make me walk in the path of your commandments, for I delight in it. Do we delight in it? Do we delight in the Lord's word? Verse 36, incline my heart to your testimonies and not to covetousness. Turn away my eyes from looking at worthless things and revive me in your way. See, some of us need to be revived in this way, don't we? Some of us need to be revived from entertaining the world and being non-thinking. He says, establish your word to your servant who is devoted to fearing you. Turn away my reproach, which I dread, for your judgments are good. Behold, I long for your precepts. Revive me in your righteousness. Can we say those words from the heart? Can we speak those things? 
from the deep places from inside of us? Well, may these words be a reminder to us that we continue to be sober thinkers, watchful, wise learners in understanding what the will of the Lord is. So that when our day does come, He will find us sober, awake, watching, according to all that His Word says.